Welcome to Evil Done Badly, the worst true crime podcast on the internet. I'm glad you're here for our 21st terrible episode, so I can tell you about my week on OnlyFans. I wanted a hobby that might actually generate some income, as opposed to podcasting, which pays me nothing and never will. So I took some pictures of my feet, slapped them up there, and waited for the cash to start rolling in. It turns out, hardly anyone wants to see my ugly feet, and I only sold one membership. So, special shout out to my exactly one OnlyFans customer, a Mr. Mike Cake. Enjoy my bunions, Mr. Cake, and give my regards to Damien and Charlotte, and please, dear God, don't let them see those pictures, or uh, let them listen to this podcast for that matter. Childhood is hard enough without having to endure that shit. So, with OnlyFans not panning out, I'm back to podcasting and back to my regularly scheduled poverty. So, let's get back to the episode. This episode is about a multiple murder and a guy going to jail for a long, long time. His name is Richard Speck and he's a real cunt he is. It's a crazy story, so let's dig into it. Grab a beverage, hold on to your arse, and let's hear the theme song. This episode of Evil Done Badly is brought to you by Farnum's Cannibal Crackers. Why buy the other guy's zoo crackers when you can chow down upon the crunchy, delicate bodies of entire families of human beings? You can eat your grandma, your brother, your kids. You can even eat yourself. Why eat zebras and lemurs when you can eat severed human heads, disembodied torsos, lopped off legs, and detached genitalia? Comes in white, dark, and sprinkled varieties. Add them to your tomato soup for a bloody, sweet feast of flesh. Available everywhere poor quality imitation products are sold. Get them now. And please sign up for the Wide World of Paranormal Investigations group on Facebook. It's the place for cryptids, aliens, and other spooky stuff on the internet. They're getting super close to 10,000 followers, and you can help them get there. Now let's get back to the episode. Richard Speck was born on December 6, 1941, in Illinois. He grew up in a religious household, and his father was a good-natured, hard-working family man who tried his hardest to provide for Richard and his seven siblings. He had a promising childhood for six years. His father died when he was six, and his mother eventually remarried to a peg-legged, drunken salesman who was verbally and physically abusive and frequently absent. I think I'd rather him be absent than abusive, but, you know, neither of which is great. This new guy also had a long criminal record, and Richard's promising childhood went right down the toilet. And the whole family got stuck moving to Dallas. Richard struggled through grades 4 to 8, eventually having to redo the 8th grade 
because he wouldn't wear his glasses. He flunked every class in grade 9 and dropped out when he turned 16. By this point, he had developed a drinking problem and was getting sloshed almost every day. Uh, I didn't develop my drinking problem until much later in life. Had I known at the time that I'd be writing these terrible podcast episodes well into middle age, I probably would have started drinking at 12 years old too. Back to Richard. He was arrested multiple times between the ages of 13 and 21 for various misdemeanors, and he knocked up a 15-year-old in 1961. When his daughter was born in 1962, his wife had no idea where he was. Turns out he was serving a 22-day sentence for his part in a drunken melee. In July of 1963, Speck forged a co-worker's $44 check and burglarized the grocery store, making off with beer, smokes, and $3 in cold hard cash. What a fucking haul that was. He got caught and did 16 months in jail for these crimes. Now, nine days after he got out, he attacked a woman with a 17-inch carving knife. He got caught for this too, and was released six months later due to a fuck-up with the courthouse record-keeping. He would then get a job as a driver for a meatpacking plant. He would continue having a bunch of accidents while driving their trucks and eventually get fired for not showing up to work. In case you're wondering, his wife had left him by now and he got involved with an ex-professional wrestler bartender who had three kids. He would get in a knife fight at her bar and be fined $10 for disturbing the peace. He failed to pay the fine and got stuck doing three more days in jail. It sounds ludicrous to me that he'd rather go to jail for three days than to spend ten bucks. But he's probably not scared of jail like I am. My butthole hurts just thinking about it. I guess his butthole was acclimated to prison life just fine. When you think about it, he gets to keep his ten bucks, he gets food and shelter for three days, and comes out on the other side with nothing more than a sore butthole. It's a good deal for him. I wouldn't take that deal, but, you know, teach his own. It is what it is. In 1966, he bought a shitbox of a car. Uh, while we're on the subject, is anybody looking for a shitbox of a car? I got one. And, uh, it's going cheap. The next day, he used it, this shitbox of a car, to burglarize a grocery store. He stole cartons of cigarettes, sold the cigarettes from the trunk, and then abandoned the car. In a remarkable turn of events, the police found the car right where he left it. They managed to link it to Richard and put out a warrant for his arrest. Rather than get arrested for the 42nd time in Dallas, 
he, well, he did the only reasonable thing, and he pissed off to Chicago. He settled in Monmouth, Illinois, and continued to get drunk and get in fights. He became angry when he learned his ex-wife got remarried two days after their divorce went through. I can't imagine why she would want to get married to a man again after that. There's got to be better options. I don't know. Lesbianism? Join a convent? Get a dog? Jesus. Marrying a man is a losing bet. They're all assholes. Anyway, he gets a job sending plasterboard. Fuck. I'd rather be in prison. That stuff's gross. You'll be picking that crap out of your nose for eternity. I don't think Richard here liked it either, because on April 3rd, 1965, he supplemented his income by breaking into a 65-year-old woman's house, raping her, and stealing the 250 she had earned that night from babysitting. According to the old woman, though, he was very polite. Well, at least that's got to count for something. A week later, a 32-year-old barmaid went missing and was found dead a little later in a pig barn behind the tavern. Now, Richard had helped build this pig barn and was considered a person of interest in relation to the murder. He was told to stay in town for further questioning. So naturally, he proved his innocence by leaving Monmouth and going back to Chicago. When they searched his hotel room after, they found stuff belonging to the 65-year-old rape victim and items that had gone missing in other reported robberies. So it's, it looks kind of kind of sketchy for him. When he moved in with his sister and brother-in-law back in Chicago, his brother-in-law got him a job as a seaman on a boat. He got sick on the boat, and they dumped him off to have an appendectomy. He had his appendectomy, he got back on the boat, started getting drunk, started picking fights, and then they dumped him off on shore again. Only this time, they did not come back for him. The brother-in-law drove him to another Navy place to see if he qualified to get on another boat. He lost out to other seamen, who were more seamanly than him, and got stuck back at his sister's house. He made a couple trips to various places, getting more and more disgruntled that no one will put him on a boat. His sister kept getting more and more disgruntled that no one would put him on a boat. So Richard would bum one last $25 from his sister and spend the day drinking in the pubs. He hooked up with a 53-year-old woman who was also drinking at the pubs and brought her back to his room at the inn raped her, and stole her mail-away handgun. Now, this is all happening down the street from a dormitory for young nurses. Female ones, in case you're wondering. So, on July 13th, at 11 p.m., Speck makes his way to the dormitory with his new gun and a knife and takes eight student nurses hostage in their apartment. He would then proceed to rape and strangle 
and or stabbed them to death one by one. All eight would die that night, but there was a ninth who managed to wriggle their way under a bed and not be found by Speck while he was on his rampage. According to him, he was drunk and high and didn't remember any of it. This lone survivor reportedly waited until 6 a.m. the next morning and screamed out the window, quote, They're all dead. All my friends are dead, end quote. So all hell breaks loose and the search is on. The story in the papers gives a description of the murderer and says that all the girls' throats were cut. Now, this mint's information was given to throw off the kooks who would be calling and trying to take credit for it. It didn't take long, though, to start narrowing the search in Speck's direction. The investigators did some fingerprinting, and it pretty much told them it was Speck. A drifter had recognized the police sketch of him and directed them to the hotel where Speck was thought to be staying. And they thought right. He was still there, but the police didn't go get him. The drifter wound up finding Richard in his hotel room. Speck had poorly attempted to commit suicide. So he tells the hotel staff, the hotel staff call in the emergency, and Speck gets dragged to the hospital and taken care of. The doctor who's looking after him recognizes Speck's Born to Raise Hell tattoo from the paper and calls the police, and then they come and capture him. Before the trial, he's diagnosed with brain damage, OCD, and something called the Madonna Horror Complex. This basically means that you can't get aroused by someone you have some kind of respect for. But you can get aroused by someone you consider a nasty skank. According to Freud, he's stuck somewhere between someone who wants to bang his mom and someone who's afraid of having his nuts chopped off. He was found to be completely loopy when he did the murders on account of the drugs, alcohol, and brain damage. But he was found fit to stand trial, however, however the hell that works. He claimed to have no recollection of the incident, but he did admit to doing it. So his trial goes down in Peoria, in Illinois, and between the testimony of the surviving member of the massacre and the fingerprint evidence, Speck was found guilty and sentenced to die in the electric chair. Yay! Unfortunately, his death sentence was overturned because it was found that the jury selection was biased towards people who were pro-capital punishment. I don't see the problem with that. So, uh, while this did nothing to change his guilt, he got resentenced, he got his death penalty taken away, and he got sentenced to serve anywhere between 400 and 1,200 years in prison. Even with this ludicrously long sentence, he was still allowed to apply for parole, and he was turned down all seven times. He gained the nickname the Birdman of Alcatraz, because he kept a pair of sparrows in his cell. He was, by all accounts, a pretty boring prisoner who did his work, kept to himself, 
and listen to music. He was occasionally caught with drugs or moonshine, so he did get reprimanded from time to time. He was not exactly a model prisoner per se, but his response to this was, quote, How am I going to get in trouble? I'm here for 1,200 years. End quote. That's a damn good point. I, w I would want drugs and moonshine too in his shoes. He later did an interview where he expressed regret for what happened and said that if he had the chance to do it again, he would have, you know, just tied them up and robbed the place. But it's a bit late for that now, Richard, you dick. It was a bit late and a quite bit insincere, turns out. He wasn't that boring of a prisoner after all. In 1996, news anchor Bill Curtis received some videotapes from an unknown attorney that were made in Stateville Prison in 1988. He's got to be thinking, holy fuck, what kind of weird shit am I going to be looking at here? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I would be thinking. So, uh, well, lucky viewers who had the pleasure of uh, seeing this two-hour tape, got to witness Speck doing such things as him wearing panties, doing cocaine, performing oral sex on other inmates, and showing off his man boobs. Showing off his man boobs. Allegedly, he'd grown the boobs by smuggling in hormone treatments. He was everyone's bitch, and supposedly, he was loving every minute of it. Quote, and this is from the video, so uh, I actually had the pleasure of viewing this a little bit. Quote, if they only knew how much fun I was having, they'd turn me loose. End quote. And at one point, the camera operator asks him about the murders. And he flat out says, quote, If you're asking me if I felt sorry, no. End quote. And he went on to describe the process of actually strangling someone, saying that, quote, It's not like you see on TV. End quote. What a cunt. This did not go over very well once the uh, families of the victims were informed of all this. He is a cunt. He was also asked if he liked to fuck and be fucked by other men, to which he replies, Absolutely. Yeah, sure. I always love that. I always love being fucked by other men. So, yeah. Oh, I've always been into that. Yeah. So he's shaking his titties around, and to keep getting himself booze, cocaine, blowjobs, and anal sex, he'll just keep on shaking his titties. Now you can say to yourself, he's living his best life. Or you can say to yourself, he's doing all these things just to help him cope with life behind bars. He's possibly being forced to do all these things, and he's being everyone's little bitch so that he doesn't get himself killed. In other words, he could be living a life of constant abuse and torment. Unless you were there, you probably don't know the context of all this coke-wearing and panty-sniffing. Uh, uh, I mean coke-sniffing and panty-wearing. Either way, he had a heart attack on December 5th, 1991, 
and wore his panties right to the emergency room. Not going to beat around the bush here. He dies. So he dies. Uh, I'm sure they tried to do something to revive him and stuff, but uh, the important part is he's dead. So he dies. They pull out his brain, and they have a look at it. They found gross abnormalities. In that one part of his brain was non-consensually crawling all over another part of his brain, and the boundaries of rage and emotion became entangled. A couple of other brain Scientologists looked at the samples and said, Yep, that's pretty fucked up. And then they proceeded to misplace the samples and went back to playing Tetris on their computers. I think it's safe to say his dead brain was of absolutely no use to medical research. So he's dead, and no one comes to pick up his cremated remains. They chucked him somewhere, and very few people know where he is resting. And even less people care where he is resting. His sister told her kids to never admit that he was their uncle. He's been disowned, and he's a cunt. Whatever happened to him in prison was too good for him. His victims and their families deserve better, and to have him prancing around on video talking about how he killed him is just a complete travesty of justice. Whether he actually enjoyed his time in prison or not is irrelevant. This guy should have fried when they got the chance. And in closing, I'd like to state the obvious. What a fucking cunt this Richard Speck guy was. And he's uh, giving the rest of us dicks a bad name. And there you have it. The story of yet another stupid cunt comes to a close. I hope you enjoyed this pitiful episode of Evil Done Badly, the worst true crime podcast on the internet. This one was sent in by superfan Curtis P. And I enjoyed writing that. I hope you'll tune in next time for yet another horribly done journey into the depths of depravity with me, your hapless host, Dick. So thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye, and if you would like to reach us, you can email us at evildonebadly at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram at evildonebadly. Thanks again. See you later.